0: Welcome to The Bolt, the official podcast of Trinity Basin Preparatory, a charter school in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, where we share interesting stories and strategies
1: from across our district.
0: I'm Connor Rogers. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Trey.
1: Hey, Connor. How are you today?
0: (laughs) I'm busy, Trey. I'm (laughs) really busy.
1: I wonder why. I wonder why. Listen, before we get started, we've got a lot to get to today. We have a great guest, uh, uh, and we'll we'll explain that a little bit, but I just want to take some time out to congratulate you because you've uh, undergone since we last spoke on the podcast a position change. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yes. Yeah, so I am the uh, interim principal for the Pafford campus here in Fort Worth. Uh, thank you. I don't know if the, I don't know the if mic the claps is pick up yeah, over Zoom. I'll clap um,
1: close to the but, mic, but
0: but thank you. It's been a uh, it's been an adjustment, like seeing things from from the the big boy chair, uh, you know. So, yeah. but it's been it's been fun. I, I love working with teachers and love working with kids. So I happy to help out at this campus
1: yeah and i know i know you're a, an ic to your core but i when i heard the news i i thought there's there's no one better i could imagine taking taking that role uh even if it's temporary whatever connor um but I admit yeah. that
0: i turn into a pumpkin so
1: <laughs> that's right, right. yeah well congratulations and, uh, and and we can move on so we've got a great guest today
0: oh this is like we've landed the big kahuna like have you seen pulp fiction when they talk about the big <laughs> the kahuna, kahuna burger, burger? like
1: yeah. like this
0: is this is what we landed like ever since we started the podcast we're like "MN for our big season finale we'll yeah. get
1: mr schaefer we got our ceo superintendent i don't know how it worked i somehow convinced him to be a guest he was uh, he was super gracious about it. Was actually excited about it. Um, I told you, I texted you one day, and then I was like, uh, I think I got Mister Schaefer to be on the podcast. So um, yeah. it's gonna yeah. be it's gonna and, be a good one.
0: And we were we we're like, we're this is either gonna be the best episode we've ever done, or, or we, we get fired. After jobs. This. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so, and so the interview is kind of a, a good mix. We think of like like superintendent ish questions, TBP questions, but also like some fun personal stories. Um, and it, and it's great. So let's let's get into our interview with Mr. Schaefer. What's What's funny, and no one will get this on the podcast, is that Mr. Schaefer's background looks like other people's virtual backgrounds <laughs> on Zoom, but it's actually a nice bookcase, it's a nice office,
2: it's... just my actual, you know, literal background. What literal do they say? Background. IRL, right?
0: <laughs> oh, very good in real life. There you go. Uh, okay. All right. Well, welcome, Mr. Schaefer, to the Bolt podcast.
2: Thank you guys for having me. I have no idea what a podcast is, but I'm very excited to participate. (laughs) Okay.
0: Well, that was my first question was was how much did Trey have to convince you to be on this podcast?
2: Yeah, I'll be honest and say that I had to ask uh, one of my adult children because I remembered when I got invited that one of his Christmas presents was a shirt that said friend of the of the podcast or something like that and so I called him I said hey what's a podcast he said dad are you serious I said yes I'm serious tell me and then when he explained it I was like oh okay I got that I'm good so
0: yeah yeah Uh, one person I was at a conference and I was trying to explain to this person what a podcast was that I had listened to on my way in and she was like so is it just a bunch of people talking about things they like and I was like well, yeah, but it's cooler than that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there now you you, you can officially say that you are a, a friend of the podcast.
2: Yeah, there you go. And right? Get one of those shirts. Yeah. I and mean, you need to get one of those shirts. There you go. Okay.
0: Um, so we'll, yeah, we'll just jump right in and, um, talk about like kind of your background a little bit first. Sure. So you could, Absolutely. um, kind of, I know you have like a legal background. And so I was just curious, like what, what kind of path, like, how did you go from being a lawyer to being a superintendent of a charter school?
2: Sure. Yeah. It's an odd change. So, uh, it started with my kids when they were kids, not adults. Um, I was practicing law, um, I always practice in Dallas and, um, my kids were young. We lived in Arlington, so they started going to school. And man, I, we, we we tried one of everything. We had uh, Montessori for a couple of years. We had uh, a parochial school for a couple of years. We had the traditional ISDs. And you know, my wife and I both um, were lucky to benefit from education. Um, and I, so I knew how important it was for for my kids. So you know, in the mid nineties, we started kind of like, look, looking at all the options, like what else we got? And actually one of my neighbors, uh, from the neighborhood who had two kids as well, she said, Hey, there's, there's a meeting tonight about a charter school. I said, Oh, what? <laughs> Seriously. Cause I, I had no idea what it was. She said, well, just go. I said, okay. So we went to this, it was like a church in Arlington and it was just packed. There were just hundreds of people. And, um, This guy was talking about a charter school he was going to start, and being a lawyer, I was pretty good at asking questions, so I stayed after and just asked him like every question I could think of, and started talking to my wife about it, and eventually, I think to get me to shut up, he put me on that school board, I think. Either that or to get free legal advice, I'm not really sure, (laughs) Um, and so basically, I helped start um, uh, Arlington, what is now Arlington Classics Academy over in Arlington. It's a very successful, very well-regarded charter school, despite my involvement. And I and I did, look, I, I'm serious. I did that for my children. I mean, I, I'll just tell you, that's why I did all that for my three kids. And so, you know, I was a parent. I was a board member. I literally fixed toilets at the school, right? I painted walls. I donated stuff. And then on the side, when they needed help, they would call me because I was a lawyer. So I was involved there from 99 to, gosh, I think, oh, was it 03? And then we moved. And then uh, somebody that had worked at that charter school was running a school over in Dallas called Trinity Basin. And he called me up to be the lawyer. And this is like 03, 04 maybe. And so I began, you know, just doing legal work for the school. You know, I would go to board meetings and just make sure, you know, the minutes were okay and the, you know, boring stuff, you know, look at this contract and stuff like that. And so I was the lawyer for three or four years, just doing, you know, whatever they needed. Um, and you know, obviously, familiar with charter schools. And then um, in 2007, wow, 2007. I'll give you the short version of this. He, my predecessor, the CEO, was he, he left. Is all I'll say. <laughs> and and, uh, and and then the next meeting was, you know, uh, they need to appoint a new CEO. And all the board looked at me and said, "Well, you've been you've been here for like four years. Why don't Why don't you do this?" Now, at this point, let's see, Connor, you're married, right? Correct. Okay. So, I'm going to I'm gonna give you some great, great husband advice right now. Okay. This is free. There's no extra charge for this. Okay. And Trey, if this day ever happens, you just keep this in your back pocket. I'll use it okay. one just, day, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. You just pull this out. <laughs> so, I'm, this is true. So, I'm in the board meeting and they look at me and I, I was just shocked and we like, hey, do you want to do this? And I, I was literally shocked and for some strange reason, I opened my mouth and said, yes. And then I called my wife and told her afterwards.
1: Oh.
2: <laughs> that, yeah, the order of that is all wrong. <laughs> See, you, you talk to your wife first and, you know, and, and but eventually my wife, uh, my wife signed on. So that's a probably a way too long an answer, but it started with my kids and then, you know, being involved and then working, you know, as the lawyer for TBP and then just, you know, going from there. So okay. that's, um, that's my story.
0: Well, a couple things on that. Yeah. Um, so that was 2007. That was also when I was graduating high school.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. Thank you for that. Uh, that hurts. Uh,
0: so it was just it's we are on different life journeys at the time. Um, however, more recently, I did have someone say to me, you've been here four years. You could do this. Um, and I did talk to my wife before I accepted <laughs> Good. All right. Good. that position. So I, I so, did take your advice. Without a little knowing younger, it.
2: but clearly a lot smarter than me. So, OK, that's what we just learned there okay i'm curious you may have said this what kind of law did you practice you know um i did mainly civil litigation i I tried a lot of cases so i would do i did a lot of like um, employment discrimination work right you know and a lot of times for employees but sometimes for employers as well Um, and then big you know sometimes really big boring you know contract disputes you know this company signed a contract and the other company didn't like it so they would you know um there'd be a big Lawsuit, but it was mainly litigation. So I was a trial lawyer, and I I love that. I'm I do miss, you know, sort of playing my my craft in front of a of a jury. But that, that was mainly it.
1: Well, is, I'm curious. I know you said asking a lot of questions, and I know just in IT we've sent a lot of contracts your way that you still have to look at from time to time. But is there anything that from that that lends itself to the charter school environment?
2: Yeah. So, you know, uh, anybody that's been here a long time has heard me say that. It's really important that TBP as an organization, you know, always do the right thing, you know, stay away from, you know, breaking laws or even looking like they're breaking laws and be very compliant. Um, not just because I know that we can get, you know, for example, sued because I was involved in that, but because that's the right thing to do. And if you treat your employees and your vendors and the people that you have contracts with right to begin with, you don't have to worry about anything else. It'll, it'll all work out. Right. Um, and then, you know, from just a legal standpoint, I mean, obviously, hyper technically today, we don't have a lawyer, but uh, hopefully that will be changed pretty soon. But, you know, I'm I'm comfortable looking at a contract and asking questions. And that helps. You know, it's pretty boring. I mean, I don't think a principal or, or our IT department, you know, care a whole lot about a clause, but there may be some stuff that's really, really important that keeps us, you know, from, you know, unnecessary risk. And I'm I'm familiar with that kind of thing. So it's kind of boring, but it's important to the operations, I think, of the of the district. Sure. Okay. Let's
0: uh, change gears then. So you talked about how important your children's education was. I want to kind of ask about your own educational journey. And I, I'm going to take a swing and a miss here. Did you, were you a Villanova grad? No. That, no? That's the wrong Wildcats. Close. But <laughs> Wildcats was Kentucky? Kentucky. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Where,
2: Kentucky's okay. where I went to law school. Yes, sir. Kentucky was law school. Okay. Yeah. But you hate Duke for some reason. Yeah, because that's, I mean, I think that's, Uh, One of the commandments is you hate Duke, (laughs) I think. I I mean, I'm a little, little, no, I'm just kidding. That's a a basketball thing. And I still do hate Christian Leitner. Um, No, I went to um, UTA undergrad. And um, this is a little known fact. And I love to say this to particularly, you know, Leslie Austin. Um, I got a full ride to Texas A&M. And I went down there to visit and I absolutely hated it. And I said, this seems really cultish, which I really like to tell Leslie, right? <laughs> um, and I said, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. And my dad was like, what is wrong with you? They're going to like give you money. And I said, just relax. I'm going to go. And I took a semester off and actually started in January um, instead of like, you know, August and um, ended up going to UTA. I really liked it, um, studied political science and history. So that's where I went undergrad. And then Took a year, another year off. Well, another year off, I worked and then went to law school starting in 1988 when I went to law school. No no comment. I, okay. All right. I, yeah. I, let's,
1: I've let's. learned. <laughs> uh, um, so, were there uh, any in influential teachers in your life? Uh, most of our listeners are teachers, uh, either law school, college, or even going back uh, to the grades that, that we deal with at TBP.
2: Yeah. So, uh, uh, in high school, far and away, the teacher that literally is still impacting me today, and I'm not exaggerating, is Gary Biggers. I went to, I finished high school at Amarillo High School, and um, this was in the early 80s, and Gary Biggers was um, relentless in pushing students to do better, and two stories. Number one, he literally created classes that weren't Like he just would go to, I guess the principal, I don't know. And he would say like, here's three examples. And I took them all. I want to, I want to teach humanities to these kids, right? Like art and music. And they're like, well, we don't have that. And he said, I'll, I'll do everything. And it was a brilliant, incredibly difficult enlightening class vocabulary. Wasn't a class. We taught a whole, he taught a whole class on vocabulary film appreciation and no, it wasn't just going to watch movies and talking about it. I mean, we talked about, you know, um, cinematography and sound and stuff. I mean, and as if that wasn't enough, um, after humanities and he knew I really liked the arts, um, he was putting together a a trip for uh, students to go to to Italy, right, to see all these wonderful, you know, museums and and things. And I'll never forget this. Of course, this is uh, 1982, 1983 money. The cost was $2,000 and I, my family did not have $2,000. And, you know, I told him, I said, man, I would love to go. And he said, go tell your parents that I will loan them the money with no interest. Hmm. And I said, wait, wow. What? what?" And he said, I want you to go, you need to do this. And, you know, my parents for obvious reasons were like, not comfortable with that. And they, you know, I didn't get to do that, but the fact that he was willing to do that, like literally put his money where his mouth is (laughs) for a schmuck like me, (laughs) Um, you know, talks, you know, talk about his, his passion. And, you know, I, I could have gone a completely different path in high school because I had a little bit of an attitude. I know. I know. Shocking. Hard to believe. But because I was in classes that were more advanced and he saw something that maybe I didn't see, you know, that that opened up doors that there's no way I would have opened up by by, by myself. I'll never forget that. So that's my uh, teacher story. Gary Biggers, wherever you are. Good job. Keep going. Oh, that's wonderful. I mean, I mean, yeah.
0: yeah. Wow. And just like willing to loan his own money to a his yeah. wow,
2: that's it, it was it, it just, in, just incredible. So it's a great guy, lasting impact and then law school um, was being recruited to go to Kentucky. And um, professor Louise Graham, who was a, from Texas, called me and this was back in the days when you couldn't Google anything. Right. And so I was like, I don't know, tell me about your school. Right. Like, and, you know, she took the time to explain, you know, why I should go there. had other offers to go to really good schools as well. And, you know, she just took a time to talk to me. And then when I got there, you know, I I never actually took a class from her, but she sort of mentored me. I worked a little bit with her. It's actually when my first child was born, I remember uh, um, she actually babysat my oldest when, when he was a little baby. I mean, Uh just, uh, you know, again, not, that's not a teaching thing, but you want to talk about a teaching thing, right? Like, you know, mentoring somebody and, you know, sort of looking after them because she knew I was, you know, 900 miles from home on my own. Um, and that kind of thing, even as an adult, you know, when I was, what, 23, that made a big difference
1: to me as well. That's awesome. Both, both of them having a personal effect outside of the education.
2: Realm. Oh, absolutely. And then that's, you know, that's the theme is, you know, it, it's hard enough to to just teach any subject. I mean, you know, math, science, history, what, I mean, that's a job, right? But then to go above and beyond and make a personal impact that, that involves a relationship and caring, I mean, that's, you know, that's superstar
1: stuff, you know, yeah. that 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 changes kids' lives. Well, just to toot our own horn at TVP, our collective horn, and I know, Connor, you can probably speak to this better than I can, but I hear stories like that all the time about our teachers and our staff, you know, it's, uh goes a long way.
0: Oh, no, we we have teachers who go the extra mile and then they go the extra mile after the extra mile. Um, so, (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. And absolutely, because that's what it's about at the end of the day. And no matter and this year has been crazy and last year was crazy, but like no matter how crazy it gets, that's the common kind of glue that holds us together is like we need to give the kids everything we can so that they can have
2: great outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. I know that there's generations of kids that will be talking about, you know, the TBP teachers they had and the impact that they had and you know, the opportunities that they got because of, you know, these teachers. And that's, that's more than any test or grade or, you know, star score or anything. I mean, that's, that's life stuff, man. Good stuff.
0: Okay. Um, So I'm going to take that as a segue. We're going to go right into the more TBP specific kind of questions here. Um, So your first year as superintendent of TBP, like what's the big challenge? What's the big hurdle or what was the
2: big success story? (laughs) So you know, I've I've told a lot of people this, and it's it's a a little bit exaggerated, but it's not much exaggerated. The first year I was uh, trying to avoid bankruptcy for the entire organization, uh, it it was bad. Uh, there was there were no resources. Um, Connor, th- th- this story now, given your position, it, it's true and it will resonate with you. You know, again, that the the principals at the time they didn't know who I was, right? I was just some lawyer, just some guy that, you know, and now I was their boss, right? It was the CEO. We didn't have an academic staff. And I'm, I get, I get the books and records and I'm start looking. I'm like, wow, we, we like don't have enough money to like keep operating. This is a problem. So the first time I called the principals together, I sent them an email, said, I need you to come to my office Tuesday, whatever at four o'clock and bring me a list of all the people you're going to (gasps) fire. And they were like, wait, what just happened? Oh my God. And so look, and they did, we didn't fire anybody, right? I got, we didn't fire anybody, but I got their attention that the business of the school was important and we need to talk about it. And I want you to help me. Right. So I was a little bit mean on my part. Yeah, it was, you know, but, but, but I got their attention and, you know, we worked together. We did not fire anybody. And, you know, we just kind of, you know, scrambled and then, you know, Really, the other thing that I did, and I still am very thankful every day that I made this decision, was for a, literally a year, like my first year, I would go around to anybody that worked at TBP and said, hey, um, who does this? And they would say, yeah, the, the, the guy who whose job you have. He's not answering the phone. And they would go to somebody else. Hey, how do I find out about this? And they would say, yeah, he's gone. So I'm, I set about to make sure that we had other people that were responsible for stuff that you know, that we had redundancy, right? I didn't wanna drive home and, and, you know, die in a wreck and then everybody to say, we don't know where, how anything gets done. I would, my first year, I would call the TEA, and this is the beginning of every conversation with the TEA. Hello, my name is Randy Schaefer. I'm the new CEO of Trinity Basin Preparatory. I have absolutely no, no idea what I'm doing. Can you please help me? And they always laughed and said, yeah, what do you need, right, and I wanted, but it was true, right? Um, and so, you know, staying out of bankruptcy and then figuring out a way to make sure other people were involved so that, you know, it wasn't all in one person's head limit so two takeaways. I,
0: I just, I'm shocked if I, if I, if you had asked me who I'm going to fire, I'm still, I'm still like,
2: <laughs> I'm sorry,
1: <laughs> I'm still trying may have to take over. carter has yeah, yeah. got some trauma going on. <laughs> That's certainly a wake up call. Yeah. I couldn't imagine yeah. getting that email. You've been a CEO and superintendent for how long? now? Uh, making
2: me do math in public. Uh, (laughs) it's about, about 14 years, 14 14 years, years. give
1: or take approximately. So I'll, I'll just kind of peek behind the curtain. Our, Our next question is what is the biggest challenge schools are facing right now? And I feel like if I had asked that maybe two years ago, the list would have been much shorter. It seems like, uh, yeah, there are a few extra things just for fun these days, but, but how would you answer that question these days? What's the biggest challenge that you think, uh, our schools are facing right now?
2: You know, I, I think it's a long list now, unfortunately, but I think it's it's, it's two related things. Um, one is just the the incredible amount of learning loss that that kids are experiencing at our school and every school, um, and that's despite our valiant and best efforts. And then I think it's just paired with that is, I mean, I can't imagine what some of our kids and their families have gone through right, and what they've seen, I mean, I I tell this story, like, especially the really small kids, that they see adults with masks, and they don't, they don't touch, they don't hug, they don't, they don't interact, like, you know, we always took for granted, and what's, what's in their brain, and how has that influenced the way that they act and think? not just this year or next year when the masks are gone, and all that, but how does that influence their behavior, Um, and then just, you know, People's struggles with, um, you know, unemployment, with food insecurity, with housing insecurity, and kids who, you know, who can see it and know it, and they're probably internalizing that. What what is that doing to those kids? You know, what is what are the lingering effects for that? And uh, you know, it would be easy for us to sit here and say, "Hey, Connor, don't worry about it. Just you know, just teach them how to read and write and do math." We all know that's not what we do, right? I mean, we have to take care of these kids and we have to meet as many of their needs as we can. And I think that's just a, that's just grown exponentially in the last year, the needs that, that we're going to see social, emotional, mental health, um, you know, getting back to normal. I mean, is, are we going to get back to normal? And how are they going to react? And then of course, just, you know, what's that going to look like in terms of accountability in the academics and, and what the kids learn and that kind of thing. Um, So I think that's, that's the short list but boy there's you know there's a bunch of other uh, other things right behind that
1: and then throw a a snowstorm uh for instance oh, in yeah. the mix and then you know right. <laughs> just icing yeah. on the cake of no unintended
2: you know which you know i'm sure we have families that are now worried about stuff that we all take for granted is my water going to keep working mm-hmm. is my electricity always going to be on um are we going to have heat when we need it you know i mean things that you know you just take for granted and now that there, now there's this fear, there's a new boogeyman, I think, for people, and um, quite frankly, it's real, and it's going to have some effects, especially on you know smaller children.
0: Absolutely. Uh, the email I sent to my staff after that was, uh, we all got a valuable lesson in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And when you were saying about the kids and just their social, like you need to worry about safety and
2: food before you
0: can worry about
2: solving a word problem in math class. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean. Uh, not not going to read chapter two if I don't have any electricity. and I'm worried about my next meal. So I'm going to pass on chapter two, you know? So Okay.
0: Um, let's talk about um, charter schools specifically, because like you sure. had, you had been success, like you had on board starting an Arlington charter school. I was new to charter schools, like TBP was my first one. Um, so what I guess like is challenging about being a superintendent of a charter school and what are some misconceptions people have about charter schools if they've never been part of one?
2: So I think the, I think the first part, um, what, what's the challenge about being a superintendent and I've, I've seen this and it, it's getting better, um, over time, but, but I, I still see it sometimes is you'll have a really wonderful impassioned, smart educator that, that has a good idea and has a big heart and, you know, is going to save the world and, and, um, you know they're going to open this charter school because these kids are falling through the cracks, and that's great. And they do not know the difference between a credit and a debit, and all the business side and their their financial or operational struggles um, that that are visited upon those those students. So I think you know, as a superintendent of a charter school, it's I tell people all the time. The TEA does not distinguish between us failing for money or failing for academics. It's the same. It's a fail. And so I tell people all the time, of course, we have to educate our kids. Of course, we have to look at our scores and our attendance and all that kind of stuff. But we also have to look at the finances and the accountability on that side. Because if we if we fail over there, it doesn't matter if Connor is the greatest principal of all time and all of his kids have hundreds on everything, we're still going to shut our doors that's a real struggle for a lot of charter school superintendents, because most of them are really good at one side of the house and and maybe not so good at the other. Um, So that's, that's a big struggle. And then, you know, in terms of misconceptions, I, I still, the biggest one that bothers me the most, and there's a lot, but this one bothers me the most is that somehow there's some sort of animosity that emanates from charter schools to ISDs, but I'm sorry, Did you just say that I don't care about all children? Like, what is wrong with you? I mean, why would I – why on earth would anyone at TBP want, hey, I hope Fort Worth ISD really stinks? I mean, no, no, you just said that. That's kids, right? People forget in the original law, which I actually read back in the day when you guys were playing Nintendo or something (laughs) nefarious. No. Sorry. Mortal, um, Mortal
0: Kombat and Okay, and, uh, Mortal Kombat. Mario Kart. Okay, wow, yeah. wow. Wow. Wow.
2: Now the true Connors coming out. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Um I mean, one of the the founding reasons for starting charter schools is to push traditional ISDs to be better. I take it as a source of pride if I think for one second that any ISD did something better because we're challenging them. That's called competition, and that's good for kids. So, but there's this. Idea that you know oh, charter schools—they—they—they they don't like ISDs, and they—they they want them to. What, why would I have anything bad to say about an ISD? That's crazy. So that's the one I think that's—that's that's sort of underlying out there that is wrong. Because if if you work at a, a school, you should care a lot about kids, right? I mean, I—I've I, said this too. I—if a child, you know, Connor, if, if you came to me one day and said, "Oh, Mr. Schaefer, I'm really sorry." you know we had a student in 4th grade i'm just making this up that you know the parent came and said we weren't meeting their needs and they're going to go to another school that's better suited to them well first of all that's the parents right that's why we exist and second of all if that's better for that student then we should be we should celebrate that right now we might ask some questions hey is there anything we could have done the answer is probably no we couldn't so but if that's good for that child i support that right that right. that that's you know that's just the right thing. So I, that's that's my number one sort of drive me crazy misconception about charters, at least in Texas.
1: Oh, that's that's really that's uh, that's really nice to hear. Um, so shifting gears from the the, uh, I guess the superintendent over the entire district to maybe a more localized uh, role. What is your philosophy on delegating authority? I'm, I'm actually asking for tips as a, as a manager myself, I'm going to take everything I can get from you.
2: you know I, I think uh, uh, and I'll I'll start by saying I have absolutely no formal training in you know business practices or business school I don't have an MBA from you know anything and they don't really teach you know delegation in law school you know <laughs> they really don't um, but I, but here's sort of what I've what I've sort of learned over time is, um, I'm a big fan of delegating, um, and I I like to tell people up front, like right out of the gate, what all that means. Right? Like my favorite, my favorite thing to 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 say to someone in that regard that's new is, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know. You need to ask me every question. I'll be always be uh, respectful and answer, and, and you know I'll be honest. And whether I think you'll like it or not. And when you don't come to my office and ask me for help, I'm going to assume that you do not need help. So if you're not in my office asking for help, I'm assuming you're good. Because <laughs> I'm not going to come by your office and say, you good? Because if you're not, you should be in my office or texting me or emailing me or Zooming me or something. And I will always be available, right? That's the other side is I I will always be available for anybody that needs my help, period. End of, end of discussion. I don't day, night, on the phone, you know, in my office, whatever. But if you're quiet, I'm assuming that you're good. And if you're not good, we already talked about this and we're going to have to fix it a different way. Um, I mean, I do try, especially with new people, I do try to be more proactive and, you know, hey, how's it going? Do you need anything? What's, you know, what's up? That kind of thing. But um, I'm a big fan of delegating. And and look, this sounds sounds a little bit harsh, but the economic transaction of being employed is the 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 organization is paying me to do my job so we're going to go ahead and keep paying you and we're going to expect you to keep on doing your job that's the baseline transaction right right um but i i do i do think that i need you know to finesse that a little bit because what i've also found over time and this i don't think has anything to do with me Personally, I think it's like my title, right? My title is kind of scary. You know, chief executive officer, you know, superintendent, he's the man. Um, You know, people are maybe a little less um, eager to come see me, especially if there's a problem, uh, despite my uh, serious um, um, willingness to help anybody with, with anything. So, I do have to keep in mind that, yeah, maybe it's not always easy to just wander into the CEO CEO's office in the middle of the day and tell them you're lost, right? that's a that's a hard conversation, right? Right. So I think I think my lesson there is the delegator, the person doing the delegating, has to understand what the delegatee, the person that's being delegated to, thinks about that job, right? You know, like Trey, if you have a new hire and I'm just as hypothetical, and that person's in awe of your power and your wizardry, which we all are. Let's just admit it.
1: I don't know. Um, I don't know about
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that I'm in that, awe. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that, you know, that new person may, you know, be embarrassed or scared or, you know, I'm not going to go tell Trey that I don't know what I'm doing. He'll fire me, which you're not going to fire somebody after two weeks because they're confused. You're going to help them. So you really got to sort of channel your inner delegatee, if I'm using that word right, uh, and get in their brain and see, you know what, I'm gonna I'm going to go. I'm going to go help them. And look, I need, I need help on that. I I forget to do that sometimes. And, um, but that does help people, you know, um, understand that, you know, asking for help is a good thing. You know, I tell people all the time, there are no stupid questions. You're not going to get in trouble. And if, if I can help you, I will help you. And if I can't, I'll find somebody here who can. So I hope I answered your question. It seems like I kind of meandered there
0: for a while. No, no, I think that's great. And I think the, probably the, like, a difficult part about your job because it's nothing to do with you is every teacher is bringing their past experience of previous superintendents and like oh, yeah. hanging that on you. Yeah. If they if they just get started and they don't know anything about you, like they're in their head is like, well, my last superintendent was this kind of person. Like so, that's that is probably why they would be afraid because they're like, oh, we couldn't
2: talk to the last last gal who was here, you know, whatever. Sure. Yeah, I, I didn't think about that, but there's probably yeah, it's like I said, it's the seat, and if you're only knowledge of the seed is the person who had it, but, you know, that's not me, then, you know, you're, it just kind of comes with the territory. So good stuff.
1: Well, I'd um, like to, I'd like to come back real quick to uh, saying how scary it may be to come into your office with a problem, even though I know you do have, you know, a somewhat open door policy. There's nothing I don't think scarier, even than that, than coming in and ask you to be on a stupid little podcast. So I think if, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're talking about me being scared, right? I mean, I'm assuming. I'm sure. Right? I'm sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> sure. We'll go with that. Um, but Trey was asking
0: about, um, new, new hires, uh, or like we were talking about new hires. Um, so if Mr. Chaver, you were to hire somebody, what, what is kind of something you look for in a new hire?
2: So that's a great question. And that my thinking on that at TBP has evolved over time based on experience. I mean, I am, I understand that we have a lot of positions that require certain, you know, certifications or, or degrees. I, I understand that. And we always will comply with that. But I, for the most part, am completely uninterested in someone's, you know, CV and what degree they got and from where and when. And, you know, whether it's advanced or a good school or an in-state school, I don't I just haven't found a correlation between that and their ability to be successful here. What I look for is. Not somebody that just signs off on our mission because I mean, come on, who's going to come into a school and say, "Look, I hate all kids; they're really annoying, <laughs> and I can't stand them." I mean, you I know, expect come on, I to do less, yeah, do less. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm trying to get them to fail, and you yeah. know, I mean, so it, it's not just signing on, but it's it, I need to see evidence that it will motivate people to act right. That that that, yeah, we're going to pay you, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and do that one more thing because it's going to advance our mission in one small way. Right. And so it's a really hard uh, guess on a new person, but you know, there's, you can ask about their prior work. You can ask about, you know, people that come from different places or backgrounds, why they want to do this and get a pretty good gauge of that. And I've seen that people that are, that are motivated, actually motivated by our mission succeed at a higher rate than, than, you know, by far than, than those that aren't. And I think that's the most important thing is, you know, is this going to drive you? Is this, and it's also, it's also, is it going to make you a happier person, right? Because a happier person is going to work harder and, and try harder because they care, right? Um, And if their mission, if our mission makes them happy, so we're, you know, it's this wonderful cycle of our mission drives you and it makes you happy and you work harder and you do better and you get a promotion, all this kind of stuff. So it's hard to gauge and 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 look, I've made plenty of mistakes in that regard but that's what I look for first and foremost uh in, in hiring
0: I'm
1: gonna totally go. make sense yeah go ahead sorry I I was just gonna say I'm gonna go kind of out of order here um but I'm I'm curious on the on the other end of that have you specifically ever had a a boss or, or somebody that was difficult to work with and, and how did you handle that from the other end
2: <laughs> yeah I've had a lot um when I was um, a young lawyer um I went to a small firm for a while and um, I, I reported to a, a very senior, very well-regarded, very experienced lawyer that, you know, handled very large cases. And I, again, I was a very young lawyer, I think three years out and that's nothing as a lawyer. You don't really know anything after three years. And so I was, I was working for this gentleman and, and um, here, here's the story. So a a new law was passed and, you know, brand new law. And I was told to, you know, draft a lawsuit based on this new law that nobody knew anything about It was brand new. Right. I just, just go do it. So, you know, I don't, there's no guidance for it because it's brand new. So I, I draft up all the paperwork. Right. And I, you know, leave it on his desk and you know, probably two, three weeks later when he feels like it, he comes into my office and I'm doing my job and he takes this paperwork and he throws it at me. Well, there's strike one. Let's let's not assault. Let's not assault your employees. And he says, I can't tell you how disappointed with you. If I was grading you, I would give you an F. And he walked out. Now, you know, I thought I'm gonna have to call my wife and tell her we're gonna file for unemployment and live in a cardboard box. And I'm also a failure. So then I opened up the paperwork. I know nothing on the first page, nothing on the second page, nothing on the third page. Oh, there's. There's one typo on the fourth page, nothing, wait. He corrected one typo and I got an F? Here's the lesson. He was having a bad day and he took it out on me. That's all kinds of wrong, right? I'll tell you guys, I'll just be honest. Today was a horrible, horrible day for me, right? I have multiple crises that I'm handling right now. Why would I take that out on somebody? It's not their fault, right? Um, that's just the wrong thing to do. Right. And so, uh, how did I handle that? Uh, I left that firm shortly thereafter. (laughs) Right. I'm not going to do that. Um, because you know, I don't deserve that. Right. The proper thing is, Hey, this is new. Let me tell you, I think you did a pretty good job, but look at this, right. That kind of thing. I can deal with that. I can, I, I'm not perfect. I made a mistake. So I didn't respond very well to that. So I, I found a new job after that, not too long. So, you know, that's how I did. That's how I, Dealt with that and i hope i hope that i've never ever even accidentally made anybody uh feel that way at any job i've ever had because that that's a bad feeling right that you know you're not important and you're a failure that's a that's a pretty bad feeling to have as an employee right so um i hope that i've not ever done that even accidentally
0: well i'm i'm sorry to hear that you had a really rough day today and i'm (laughs) sorry um as some I think this has horrified me more than the bring me the list of who you're gonna fire. Um, is, is <laughs> oh. because as as someone who was an instructional coach and gives feedback, like that's the worst thing you could do <laughs> to give them like not constructive feedback and just make them feel terrible and sure, ruin your yeah. relationship with them.
2: Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's awful. That's that's horrifying. So well glad you glad that you are not in that situation and that you're our superintendent.
2: Absolutely. Thank you. Okay.
0: Um, so let's go into, let's, um, let's talk about outside work. Like what kind of things are you interested in outside of work?
2: Well, if I could, if I, uh, if I could live on the beach and go to the beach every day, that's what I would do. So I'm very interested in, in that. Unfortunately, um, my map says that we're not very close to any beaches. So I don't get to do that. <laughs> I don't get to do that. But you know, on, on, well, back in the day when you could safely, I, I, I you know, that was one of my wife and I, and that's our favorite thing to do is just, you know, really, really unplug you know, read like an actual book, right? Like with paper, you know, that you open and can bookmark and stuff. Trey's when confused. I, Trey's, Trey's like, what is this book you speak of? <laughs> Not <familiar>. Um <laughs> and, and and really unwind and just sort of, you know, relax. We, we, we sort of love to do that. But, you know, with my, with my family, um, I really, you know, I'm a family guy. I mean, my, my kids are all adults, but they live relatively close. I've got one that's a teacher in Fort Worth, one that's, um, Um, getting his third degree up in Lubbock and then uh, my son in Austin. And so we're very connected with our family. Like usually my calendar on the weekend says, go to this kid's house or go to this, you know, Austin to see this kid or Lubbock to see this kid. And, and you know, that, that occupies, you know, most of my time, which is, it's really rewarding to see, you know, them as adults. Um, And then my other habit is, you know, is less, less um, noble. It 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 involves you know, probably spending too much time and money acquiring certain drinks that I am fond of. So maybe that's all I'll say. And the you know, the audience can just assume lemonade or tea oh, sure. or exactly or yeah. sipsy water. Milk, any of milk, those things. Um, yeah, cause cause milk, milk milk is pretty
0: expensive. Yeah. Um, Who
2: doesn't love some milk? You know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so. Okay, okay. We'll leave it at that.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so then, kind of like. Uh, I don't, this is, I don't know if this is a millennial phrase uh, or not, but the the idea of like work-life balance, um, and maybe you could speak to that or you you don't care for that.
2: No, no, no. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing because, um, so my my story is um, my my parents um, didn't, didn't go to college and my dad was a very hardworking individual and he, you know, would, would get you know, promotions because he worked very hard. And this is obviously a long time ago. And, you know, for years and years, my dad's job required him to be gone a lot. And he was gone a lot. Now, look, I I, I think I understood that he was gone working. And that's what, you know, provided, you know, things like food and shelter to us. But as I became a young man, I was like, well, whatever I do, I, I can't be gone. I can't miss my kids. I can't, you know, I can't not see the soccer games and the recitals and the you know, whatever. You know, the the firsts. And so I told myself, you know, I'm I'm going to be there. I'm going to be you know, an assistant coach or at least on the sideline. And I'm gonna I'm gonna be at the play. I'm gonna you know whatever. And I think, I think for the most part, I did that. I was I was involved with my kids, you know, activities and their lives, and I knew what was going on as be, as best you can at least until they become teenagers and then you have no idea what they're doing. But that's a different story. Hmm. Um, but I think today the lines are so blurred because, you know, there's there's so with technology and, you know, social media, it, it's the the line between work and, and home is, is blurring. And I'll just tell you, it's, that's difficult for me because back in the day it was, work is at the office, mm. home is home, right? I mean, it was right. pretty easy, right? I'm in my office, leave me alone, I'm working. Or I'm at home, don't call me, I'm at home, you know? Now it's there's a there's a blurring of that. Um, but but here's what I would say, and I, I recently talked to my oldest uh, son about this, who, um, they just had a baby. So, you know, I talked to him and I said, look, um, you, you do have to work and you do have to make money and you do have to pay the bills. You'd have to do all those things, but not, at the expense of your child or or your family, right? If if your work is making your um, your home life bad, you have the wrong job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talk about it with your significant other and and, and see if there's a better place for you. But um, it, it's so easy for especially younger people that you know you know they want to make a mark or they want to get ahead or they you know want that promotion or or whatever it is that's driving them. Um, understand this right when you're older which i am um what i'm about to say makes more sense it if at my eulogy somebody talks about how good of a job i did at anything they're fired from giving the rest of my eulogy it's a job right i want them to talk about the relationships i made and my family and my wife and my kids and my grandkids and you know maybe I, i did something good in the world something Oh yeah, and I think he was a lawyer, and I think he ran a charter school, whatever, you know, for money, um, because that's that's the thing that makes you know a lasting impact is is the relationships that you have with you know family, with friends, with and you know, granted, coworkers as well. So it is a it, it's a daily struggle, but um, you know, it's easy to go too far one way or too far the other way, and it, and it it is a balance that you know, it's a great question because people should be thinking about it. You know, what's the balance for me? And it it looks different for, for everybody, depending on their, on their circumstances. Sure. Sure.
0: Follow-up question though, Uh, since you mentioned your grandfather, what do you want to be called by your grandchildren?
2: Oh man. Um, uh, True answer. So uh, Poppy is the name, but uh, if that, if that little fellow calls me anything, he can call me anything he wants because, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not that guy, right? If he wants to call me, you know, anything else, he he certainly can. But but Poppy is is what we've what we've said.
1: Good question. So, a little bird told me. I think I actually overheard this at a. I don't know if it was a leadership meeting or something, but somebody had the nerve to ask you. I think what your favorite band was, or what albums you take on a desert island, or something. How did this come up again, mm-hmm. Connor?
0: So it remember? was, we were all at, it was like some, it was two years ago. It was like a team building activity at Central Admin during the summer. So that's how the ICs got invited to Central Admin.
2: Oh, I do remember and, this. Yeah. And it was like, get this.
0: to know the real Mr. Schaefer. And someone oh, asked yeah. him like, what albums would you take with you on Desert
2: Island? And R.E.M. came up. That's because they're the greatest band on the planet. I mean, yeah, yes. What Do you have a question? I mean, I'm confused,
1: right? No, I think that's it. I think you <laughs> you settled it. you settled
2: it. No, I, look, I, uh, you know, I'm, I think everybody's music is influenced by where, where they were, right? Because it's music is tied to an experience, right? Like, oh, right. that's the song that played when, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I've got my driver's license or I went on my first, whatever. And R.E.M., you know, was in my life for a long time, you know, in, in the formidable stages. And I went to see them at Moody Coliseum and Michael Stipe was, you know, like a row away from me and I froze and couldn't talk to him still regret that but i'll get over it eventually it's sure. only been like 40 years you know i'll get i'll get over it
1: they're still touring um, there's still time yeah yeah, right. yeah. no
2: I, I just look i you know for me in my time i mean i realized that it's a generational thing but i i just loved you know rem i can still you know they got me through law school they got me to law school they got me past law school you know so they they have a lot of personal meaning for me and them's fighting words if you don't like rem now i just want to tell you so well Connor okay. and I had
1: the uh we had the pleasure of being asked to uh to host convocation. What, two years ago now it's been? It seems like yeah, an eternity years ago. ago. Uh, and we, uh, you know, we knew we were going to be introducing you at one point, and we knew there was only, you know, one band for your introduction music. I think there we played go, man. Stand, I think we played. Uh, oh,
2: that's a great one. Yeah, yeah Stand yeah. is great. Yeah, no, Trey and I went back and
0: forth with like, like, Trey was like, I, I, I can't do losing my religion. It's too sad. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't do, like, like, which one do I do? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh,
2: that was a good choice. Good
1: choice. Yeah. So, um. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say speaking of of the of the convocation that we did a couple of years ago, you were gracious enough to kind of uh play into a bit that that we wrote where uh yes. we uh, we did a I don't know I don't remember which was, part was first. It was
0: perfect. TBP's 20th anniversary. Correct. So we did a time capsule from 20 years ago.
1: Yep. And sure. uh yeah. and we had a uh we pulled out, you know, there was a couple of jokes in there. I, I, we, we tried to squeeze in some jokes, tried to be funny at least. Um, but we pulled out a flip phone and was like, "Oh, look at this old antique piece of technology," and asked you if you'd be so gracious to kind of call back that bit later and pull a, <laughs> pull a flip phone. Although I think the cue is a bit early, but it's fine. The pull the flip phone out of your pocket. Now I don't think you actually do use a flip phone. Is that right?
2: Regrettably, I do not. I wish I did, <laughs> but I don't.
1: Yeah. Well, and that that lends itself. Uh, not a not a big tech guy, I, I guess.
2: In not general not, not super techie. no, not <laughs> not super techie. I'm not.
1: well, now we're all having having to be uh, techy, uh, as you said, as as work has bled into home, how have you how have you found yourself in this uh, I mean, obviously, you're you're you have no problem jumping on a zoom call and throwing on a headset with a mic to talk to to us for a little bit?
2: Yeah, I've had a couple of adjustments. obviously, it's it's funny, I was in a zoom recently with some people, and, and maybe they, in their environment, they use a different program, but somebody was just complaining about, you know, why do I have to see you? And, and, somebody, and somebody, was like, well, change the view. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, Wait, I know more than you about Zoom. <laughs> when did that happen? Right. So I'm like telling this guy, okay, it's the button at the top, right? And then he just kept complaining because somebody was chatting. He's like, I can't see anybody. This guy keeps chatting. I'm like, okay, let me explain how this works. So, okay, so I know enough to be dangerous about Zoom, and I it would proudly declare that I have never turned myself into a cat on Zoom. So thank you very much. I'm not done that. <laughs> and
0: you're and you're a lawyer, so that joke tracks. And I'm a lawyer, <laughs> so yeah, yeah.
2: But the but the other thing, and I I just I. I hopefully this is being recorded because I'll probably have to play it back to prove it's true to myself, but until like literally the last couple months for my entire adult life, I wrote everything down on a paper calendar, right? Everything. Right. So this meeting, this appointment, this, you know, call, whatever. And now I open up, I open up the calendar on my computer. And I I click things and I'm starting to get comfortable with it. Like literally, I think Trey, it was maybe last week or two weeks ago. I had my calendar up. I'm like, wow, I don't, this is a slow week. And I'm like, wait a minute, let me look at my real calendar now. (laughs) So, so I'm slowly converting. I know that seems small and that seems very, you
1: know, that's uh, a
2: long time ago, but, but for me, that's, that's been a big uh, change for me uh, in this. And look, I don't, you know uh, this is okay and it works, but it, in in no way, shape, or form is it the same as you know um, you know depending on the subject, depending on the context of having a personal discussion or a personal meeting or you know um, you you mentioned for example convocations um, and I, the one you mentioned you got guys, guys were fantastic, but just seeing people and you know I remember uh, I remember I got uh, sort of you know, randomly hugged by someone, which is a sort of a standing no-no that, you know, I don't really like to be touched. And because it was because James dared somebody to hug me, right? <laughs> we can't do that on a Zoom, right? Right. So, it, it, you know, it's fine. It works. It, 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 it's a substitute, but I don't think it's a permanent ongoing substitute for, you know, human interaction,
1: Right? right? Uh, in person. So there you go. Mm-hmm. I certainly hope not because when we hosted convocation Beginning of this school year over Zoom, it's a lot harder to do jokes when you can't hear anybody laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? It's very unnerving. Exactly. Yeah.
2: You yeah, guys did a like, great job on that too, but still, you. it's just it's just a different feel. It's, right?
0: it's it is a different feel. Yeah. yeah. And and nothing can replace the in person um, interaction for sure. Absolutely. Um, okay, so we're we're kind of short on time, so we're going to go right into the final four questions we asked the guests. All right. So, uh, first one: If TVP were a fictional character or a celebrity, who would it be, and
2: why? Um, so this is a little bit corny, but I like this. So there's a, a show that's on TV now. It's called um, New Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. And the uh, lead actor is a guy named, I think his name is Ryan Eggold. He, he plays a he plays a doctor. I might get the, the character's name wrong. I think it's Max Good, Goodwin, maybe. And he's the head of this huge, massive, kind of old hospital in New York. And he, he kind of takes over and he says, you know, we're going to, we're not going to deal with bureaucracy. We're not going to deal with, you know, all this stuff. You know, we're going to do, we're going to help our patients. And he is relentless on that mission. And the thing that it's corny, I'm sorry, but everybody wants to talk to him, right? They need this approved. They need this patient done, you know, They and, and he starts every conversation with, how can I help you? And he never, every decision he makes this character, and I think it's based on somebody's actual life, but it is always driven by what's best for the patient. So I think that's a nice analogy of, I hope, I think, that we try every day to say, what's what's best for the kids? And how can we do that? How can I help to do that? A little bit corny, a little bit cheesy, but that, that's who I would pick is, is Max Goodwin from um, New Amsterdam.
1: I am not 100% sure and if I'm wrong we're cutting this cuz I can't be made to look like a fool. Um but I'm almost 100% sure that that's who uh, Miss Harmio said, isn't it? Okay. What? I was wondering. I what? was I was like I was like Did someone someone, <laughs> no, I'm <just> kidding.
0: someone <laughs> mentioned New Amsterdam on this podcast before but I can't remember I and think I think was, you're right.
1: I think it was her. It was, and, it was and when Tyler. she said it was kind of a, such an obscure I was like, and, "Oh, that's that's a really good pick." Mm-hmm. Now now this
2: next one this next clip don't edit it out. If Kyla said that, great minds think alike. That's all go. I'm saying.
1: That, that's all I'm saying. There you go. I'll <laughs> play it. That's funny. So, if you could uninvent one thing, you can't say technology. <sighs> no. Uh, what would it be and why? So, I can't say podcasts? You cannot say no, podcasts. I'm just,
2: oh, okay. I'm just <laughs> oh. Not until
1: after this one airs. Then. So- <laughs> so i have a weird one and then i have a serious one like the serious one is
2: i still to this day have no idea why a trackpad exists on the planet I don't. What what is a trackpad and how do you do you touch it do you press it do you use two fingers do you is the left quadrant more important i don't a trackpad is a and it eats up the keyboard so please can you uninvent trackpads for me i know that's silly but i don't understand them but but the other one is can we talk about the keyboard why do we have keyboards can i not i should just be able to talk and words come out and uh, and it might just be because i am the worst typist on the planet i mean as evidenced by i think my last email that i sent you gentlemen with two sentences and one typo i mean (laughs) i can't seem to get my fingers to work on a keyboard and there's got to be a better way so hey guys let's let's invent something better than a keyboard become billionaires and save the world That there you go
0: right I think, I think we're getting to that more with more text-to-speech. But I was going to say, when your email had a typo, I thought about circling in it and throwing it across your desk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no!
2: <laughs> a good one. Uh, um,
0: OK, so this this one's a fun one. Um, so aliens are invading Earth. And we're getting in shuttles. We're like shipping off to Mars or wherever. Um, and you get to take three albums uh, that are going to be part of New Earth. Like, you've preserved these three albums. For the people of New Earth to listen to and enjoy. Um, so, what three albums are you going to take?
2: So, you guys are probably going to assume that I'm going to go with REM, but since it's New Earth, I have to go somewhere else. So, mm-hmm. you said album, but back in the day, we had something called double albums. So, haha.
0: No, those those count. Okay, like if, all right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so
2: number one, um, my ultimate singer songwriter, Bruce Springsteen, The River. Uh, that is that is a seminal work. It's got hard charging, rocking songs. It's got rip your heart out soul, you know, wrenching, gut wrenching, you know, love songs and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, that, that would be one. And I just love Bruce Springsteen. Um, I think it, you know, earth needs some diversity. So new earth. And so they got to have some country music if I'm going to be there. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to bring Keith Whitley's greatest hits. Oh, wow. First of all, because first of all, nobody sings like Keith, Keith Whitley did. He had a short, but brilliant career. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to know about love songs, right? If you're pining for somebody, how to sing to them, right? So I'm a little country. And again, because we need we need a little bit of variety, I'm also going to bring in some Tupac. So I'm going to bring his uh, his double album <laughs> Greatest Hits, right? We, we need to hear Brenda's wow. going to have a baby. We need to hear Picture Me Rolling. You know, got to have some California love. Come on, guys. Yes.
0: I, I Trey and I both threw our hands up on the
1: Zoom call. Come on, like, guys. In shock. This is great. That is great. I mean, wow.
2: I, I mean, you know, and that's, look, that's, there's so much, there's political, there's different music, there's influences, there's, you know, older school music versus, you know, technology, you know, started getting influenced. So I, I do have a couple of honorable mentions, please. Amer, uh, um, weird, but um, green day, American idiot, I think is one of the best albums of the 21st century. Sure. Great rock opera. Mm-hmm. And then, yes. uh, T-Bone Burnett's soundtrack to, um, Oh Brother, Where Out There. Oh Brother, Where art Now is just brilliant. I mean, you know, old folksy stuff and Mm -hmm. corny stuff and fun stuff. Sorry, sorry, I cheated. So maybe I can slip them in my luggage or something (laughs) on the way out. (laughs) As long as, uh,
1: (laughs) as long as we don't close our eyes, we, we will be able to (laughs) see them sorry this guy look at this guy he's looking he's googling Keith Whitley no I know Keith Whitley I love Keith okay Whitley.
2: All
0: right. no, no, no. Got to love some Keith Whitley yeah
1: okay um
0: oh then you, you take us home Mr. Trey
1: well the last one is is less a question just uh, just uh, do you have any any general advice you'd like to share is there anything that we haven't covered already that you just like to part on to impart to everybody
2: you know I I think it's it's a variation of what my mom always used to tell me when I was growing up and and you know it's my variation. And it's about perspective. Um and here's my variation. If you can fix it with money, it's not really a problem, right? Um, people get so caught up, especially now, with you know, do I have this as many likes or friends or you know, that person, look at their food, it, it looks better because they posted it on Instagram or something. And, you know, and, and people get caught up with things that in the grand scheme of things, they're they're not really that important. So, I mean if this last year has taught me anything, I'm like perspective. Again, like do I have heat? Okay, that's that's a good that's good, you know. Um am I healthy? Right? Let's not take that for granted. Um you know, can I eat and and survive? I mean, those things that's that's the big stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh losing your home is tragic, but eventually money can fix that. Uh having a car wreck, I mean, that's horrible and, you know, hope you're okay, but that's why you have insurance you know get a new car it's a car it's a thing right so i try not to get too worked up about stuff that in the moment seems life and death and then with a little perspective it's like you know what we're going to be okay with this we're just going to work through this problem and and fix it and it's going to be okay because people spend a lot of time and it's hard to worry right it's hard to worry and be upset right because you kind of get in this zone and you know stop and relax and think you know what this too shall pass this is going to, it's gonna be okay you know this problem that i'm experiencing now is, is we're gonna fix this problem and we're gonna come out on the other side and it's gonna be okay so that's kind of my very corny um sort of life experience um gained over way too long uh, uh, way too many years so far on the planet so like two or three more than connor anyway maybe <laughs> two or three more <laughs>
0: Just, just a few. Yeah. Um, But no, but that, that is great advice too, because it does, it does put things in perspective. And if 2020 and 2021 have taught us nothing else, it's, it's perspective. Um, Exactly.
2: That's, that's my humble opinion. So listen, guys, I I wanted to say this. I know you're not asking me a question, but, and I'm, I'm serious about what I'm saying. I mean, this is one of those, um, for lack of a better phrase, extracurricular activities that is, that helps TBP be TBP. I mean, this, Seems like ah, oh, this is some dudes getting around talking, and they record it and they play it. No, this is this is meaningful to the organization, um, and and I you know, appreciate the fact that both of you have committed the time and the resources to do it. And I know it's time and, and effort and planning, and it means a lot, right? Um, that you're talking to all these different people. This does matter. It is impactful. It, it's part of what makes TBP a good family. And I want to thank you, gentlemen, for for doing it and persevering and and working on it. It it it, it makes a difference. Thanks, guys.
1: Thank you. Wow. Thank, thank you. you. Got so a much.
0: little emotional there. I was like, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Mr. Well, thank you. And I think it also is like TBP is a, is a type of place that you can do stuff like this. This is what Trey and I said in one of our first episodes, like we get to do stuff like this. It's a great, it's a great place to be.
2: So Good thank deal. You.
1: And thank you. Well, for. thank you both. Yes, sir. Thank you for joining us. Um, Absolutely. Uh, you've been on our list. Uh, of of people that we wanted to get on the podcast since you know since its inception a couple of years ago. So thank you again for doing this. Uh you know, we, we know you're very busy, so thanks for taking the time.
2: Absolutely. You gentlemen be safe and have a great night. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Thank
1: you. You as well. Bye Mr. Schaefer. Thank you for listening to the Bolt Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at the Bolt Pod for episode updates or reach out to us at the Bolt at As always, do more, expect more.
2: True story, a couple months ago, I met, I'm my, my daughter, my, uh, who's a teacher, she'll occasionally say, oh, I saw, you know, I saw something on Facebook about TBP or, oh, I saw something on Instagram. She stops eating and she says, dad, why did you not tell me that you have a podcast at TBP? I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And she's like, they're great. And I said, she said, those guys are great. I'm like, dang it, I'm behind. So. <laughs>